Hey, it's Kramer. To keep with my mission to teach you how to think about the markets like a pro, I want to tell you about another CNBC podcast, a show where I spend my mornings squawk on the street. Every day, my co-anchors David Faber, Carl Quintanilla, and I bring you the opening bell and some of the biggest names in business and politics. Right now, I'm sharing with you a full episode to give you a preview. But don't forget, subscribe to the Squawk on the Street podcast. Booyah! Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber along with, yeah, his name's Jim Kramer. He's been away for like five, months. Five business days. Months. Five business days. But we are together. We're live from the New York Stock Exchange. Unfortunately, we're still missing one more, but he'll be back soon. Carl is on assignment. He is actually on assignment. Taking a look at futures this morning <laughs> as we get you set up, of course, for the day ahead. Start trading 30 minutes from now. You can see we are set up for a higher open. And that does take us right to our roadmap, of course, because the market is up because, well, trade talks at least are back. Uh, the U.S. and China agreeing to meet next month, and stocks, as you saw, reacting positively to that. We're going to talk a bit about Goldman shrinking the partner ranks. Interesting story. Up to a dozen executives reportedly negotiating the exit. Uh, is it a sign of a broader shift for this Wall Street bank? And shares of Palo Alto, they are up. As you can see, CEO Nikesh Arora joins us exclusively in a few minutes. They're up ahead of the bell, of course. Uh, this morning. We'll be talking with Nikesh. Let's start, though, with the markets this morning. Chance for Jim and I to sort of uh, get back on the same page as to where things stand right now. We also got some fairly positive ADP numbers, 195,000 private sector jobs added in August. That was above the estimate. Jim, the consumer continues to be quite strong in this economy. Yeah. I heard you talking to Joe about, you know, we're the only ones that talk recession. Uh, well, and we I got mean, a 10-year above 1.5 again. Well, well, I, that. I thought that when I saw the... the it's like the bonds also rise. I mean, I think that what we've seen is this endless yield going down versus, say, where the one year is, has just spoken so loudly to people that unless the Fed cuts dramatically, the, down, the downbeat drumbeat of recession will continue. I continue to look at employment. I keep waiting for some sign of weekly claims being uh, not good. Right. I, I keep waiting for some number which indicates to me that retail sales are bad. I don't get it. And, and so I tend to think that we do. I was stopped on the street by a construction guy right here. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'd like to talk to the construction guy. Yeah, of course. Guys. This is a not? giant project going to last like 17 years. There's here. a lot of them. We'll all be dead by the time they finish the Bankers Trust building, right? Yes. The guy grabs me. He goes, hey, what is this with the recession? And I, I said, don't, don't look at me. He goes, I am looking at you. <laughs> You, you talking recession. I said, no, you got the wrong guy. I mean, that's, he goes, the media. Said, and I'm thinking, how sophisticated is a guy, hard hat guy, yeah. saying, hey, listen, the media is talking about in recession while he's building one of the largest projects. And I do feel that's metaphorical, of course, anecdotal, but metaphorical. The more we talk about it, the more people may believe it. But it's still not showing up when you look at Walmart and Costco. No, it's not. It's not. Now, it is showing up when you look at investment to a certain extent or the lack of inve- business investment, slower business investment. Yes. Not pointing to a recession. And really, to be, to be fair, what? the vast majority of people we speak to during the course of the day are not calling for a recession. They are not. Well, yeah, They're I calling for the morning. same rate of growth, roughly 2% right. GDP growth. Happy with that. I mean, the bottom line in terms of these numbers, the ADP numbers, you know, three-month private sector average monthly job gains of 148. 
Six-month average, 150. Now, you know, 12 months, 184. Last year, we were doing 219,000. So it's down, but it's still strong. But you have to watch, watch. You have to watch Walmart, Amazon, Target, Costco, Home Depot. They've been... They are the, the they are the new retailers, and I think that we spent a lot of time looking at the mall, uh, and looking at who's in the mall, and recognizing, hey, wait a second, there's weakness. And then I see watch, and I say to myself, not only is there not weakness, but there's a consolidation. And when you hear Target just jamming the suppliers, then you realize, you know what, you got to be careful saying that the consumer is going to have to spend eight hundred eight hundred dollars more, which is old figures from the Fed. Everything the Fed is. Yeah. Uh, is talked about too much, too. This is very interesting. What, what I mean, have? Target basically telling you just reference it. It's suppliers. You deal with it. Brian We're not going to raise prices. By the way, come what? on. What are they supposed to do? If you're one of these suppliers, mid to small uh, size business, how a, are you supposed to swallow that? You're going to have a bad year. Yeah, you're going to have a bad but, year. Yeah, you will. Now, some of them have credit problems, and they will have to reconfigure. If you read Dollar Tree's unbelievable conference call last week, Gary Feldman saving $100 million by just trying to figure out. I did, you know, actually. By moving Strangely mo- enough, I did about, read that because I think you were gone. Enough. So I chose yeah. to read it. I mean, how about the fact that the, you, the containers yeah. are not being used effectively? Right. Uh, the well, switching away back. continually But we're away. still talking about $270 billion worth of, uh, of, of goods coming from China that will be tariffed. Well, some already are. The rest will be December 15th. Very We've true. got the additional October 1st tariffs, which, by the way, will go into effect. The other 5% taking it from 25 to 30% on what is already under tariff, which will take effect prior to any meetings that take place right. and I uh, think, between right. the U.S. and China. Look, look I, you know, I, I've been kind of right on the president's plan on tariffs, so I'm going to double down here. I think that his goal is to have all the tariffs be, say, 25, so he can take them down if he wants to ahead of the election. Right. Uh, it, particularly because, remember, he looks at the stock market. Yep. Uh, it, the Fed should be looking at the bond market, which is telling you your rates are too high. The president looks at the stock market because the president has always viewed that as the best gauge. Now, here we are. I, the Dow's up 330 points since I left. And what really happened? Well, we found out that the uh, a phone call, two phone calls that, that most of the media, the Red Vanity Fair, believes were lies with China. Uh, tr- uh, now I come back and it's like Mnuchin, who's the most trusted guy in the media because the media loves the guy. Saying, hey, listen, things are good. Lighthizer being involved does matter. He's a technician, but it does. It does matter. But I continue to see, David, the two things I see are uh, companies starting to take advantage of the low rates. $28 billion. Yeah. In, in, did in you bonds see that? Did yesterday. you see Disney get that, what, 275 uh, on uh, 2.75 on a 30 year? Do you remember how much John Deere was in trouble yeah. in 2008, 2009, their finance arm? Now, John Deere, in the midst of what's supposed to be a trade war that's destroying the farmers, well, guess what? They could value, they borrow at incredibly low prices. David, there's an article in it USA is Today. It's quite helpful. Right, about ATT and how they have the best wireless. David, if ATT can refinance, do you think we're going to be sitting here worried about ATT? Uh, yes, I do. You do? I do. I still well, believe we will be worried good. about ATT over the next the couple of years and whether where the uh, over-under is and how long it's going to be until there's concern okay. about the dividend. Now, uh, they will absolutely disagree with that, but I'm just reflecting a right, lot of will. conversation that I have endlessly with investors who own the stock, others who choose not to do so, I get but it. look at it. Oh, and okay. there are certainly plenty of people who would take issue with the fact that their network is superior well, TV, to Verizon's in terms of the way Verizon optimizes for wireless okay, then how about and TV? the fact that a lot of their, obviously, EBITDA comes from. Well, Direct can you feel TV better about Warner. GE with the low rates? Yes, yeah, I mean, you can feel better about everything with the low I rates in terms better, of the ability of these companies to refinance and lower their interest payments, which is only feel, a good thing. 
Right. And, and the fact is, there's $28 billion in IPOs last quarter and $28 billion in debt in one day. I know. By the way, speaking of IPOs. What's that? Have you seen the, there's some headlines on the WeWork IPO. I know you've had they some had thoughts about the this. They did. They did, amazingly enough. No but I did want to share club. some insight as well, because certainly it's a name that we've been waiting for to potentially hit the market there. They're starting to, on the roadshow, they're starting to right. uh, obviously sell. They're not coming next week at WeWork. We can't expect uh, uh, that to be the case, Jim. But the valuation targets uh, are continuing to decline in terms Yo, of at least what sense. I'm hearing from those who... Oh, I didn't bring my pad with me. Um, I got a... No, I got my notes, you know. Um, but uh, what I'm hearing is the demand is not there right. at this point at even $25 billion, oh, a valuation Oh, boy. Billion. There was a $40 now, billion Now, there was a Bloomberg valuation. headline that ran a little bit that said 20 to 30 What I'm hearing is even at 25 right now, there is not going to be a great deal of demand. And it's going to be interesting to see where WeWork comes in. Yesterday, Sam Zell was on our air, of course, yes, the noted real estate investor. Uh, well... Let me just share what he said. You can hear it yourself, of course. Uh, in terms of that business, um, he didn't have any real positive things to say. Do we have that? I've had the privilege of investing in this kind of company okay. once before. As a matter of fact, this company or this kind of company began in 1956 with a guy named Fijian who rented a floor and then subdivided it. Every single company in this space has gone broke. Um, I don't know who Fijian is, by the way. We got to no. find Fijian. That was no. 56, so he may no longer be with us. But uh, uh, Zell yesterday, Roth, of course, related, and uh, Sternlicht were all at an ISI conference and all saying similarly negative things. Now, all right, they're real estate guys. They have an axe to grind maybe in some way, but there are certainly questions about the business model. Um, Thank you. My pads. I appreciate okay, that. Good. We'll see where things add, uh, end up, Jim. But I so don't want um, to be in that deal. I said that before I left, so that's not revelatory. No, you were, you were quite negative, in yeah, fact, I just said, listen, the this one is just first a, hit. Right. Um, I, I took they some are growing very quickly. Heat, like I could care less. Yeah. One Unless people, my mother calls me. I really don't As care. the valuation number declines here, and as we see what their choices are in terms of where the we company would choose to actually go okay. uh, public, I think we should also remember... Um, SoftBank, such a significant investor here, at higher numbers, um, you know, post-money valuation at the time, I believe they took in $6 billion from SoftBank, $5 billion in the form of primary growth capital, another billion. This was back earlier this year in secondary capital. Um, and that was around $47 billion okay. valuation. So you have SoftBank going out to try to do Vision Fund 2. You have Uber now trading below the prices that SoftBank invested in um, either time. Remember, of course, they were about $6.6 billion into to, to Uber uh, at various prices. And the prospect of WeWork coming public at a valuation below $25 billion, that's got to give some pause to SoftBank in terms of their ability to go out with Vision Fund yeah, 2. How desperate are they if they have to do this? I mean, look, if it's a real winner, let's wait a little. Although, of course, this uh, like Slack. Oh, Work and we work. If it has work in the title, I'm a seller. Well, gets a slack, of course, around the bell. It's going to be down. Although, yeah. I mean, the growth rate is still very, very strong. Slack. The rate's good. Yeah. Microsoft. Well, when we uh, come back, though, speaking of earnings, Palo Alto Networks out with those results. So they were ahead of from forecast. where it was at, uh, five, at 435. And see the stock looks up to uh, as much as 10% before we get going here at uh, the New York Stock Exchange. We're going to speak with the company CEO, Nikesh Aurora. 
And by the way, to give you one more look at futures, of course, as we do get ready for that open, you can see we are going to be higher on the prospect of new trade talks with China sometime in October. And because I'm back. And because Jim is finally. Thank you. No arrogance there. Finally. Gone for five months. <laughs> Dave, it's not always uh, the case that we have stock up 19, 20 points and have the CEO who's behind it. Yes, that's right. We've got a company whose stock is up more than 9% ahead of the bell, and it is Palo Alto Network, symbol P-A-N-W. Joining us now at Post 9, it's Palo Alto's chairman and CEO, old friend, Nikesh Arora. Nikesh, first of all, congratulations. You, stress, you traced out a vision yesterday, which is that not only are you going to be number one in what we can call firewall, which was somewhat older but still relevant, but cloud. How do you intend to be number one? Well, Jim, I think we're in a once-in-a-lifetime generational shift in computing. Every company, every CIO you talk to is saying, we're going to the cloud. Uh, Either they're going to the cloud, they're talking about going to the cloud, they're working with Amazon, Google, Alibaba, Oracle, uh, or or Microsoft, moving their their workloads to the cloud. Now, if you think about cybersecurity, there is no single large cybersecurity player who's actually focused on providing cloud security. You cannot make this generational computing shift happen without securing the applications going to the cloud. So we took an early point of view about 12 months ago. We went, we acquired companies, we integrated them, we went to customers, demonstrated where the the need for security is, and we're doing well so far. Fingers crossed. All right, now, your company had been known for having a little bit slower growth than some of the uh, bigger, also upstart players in, let's let's say, both cloud and cyber. Uh, You trace... Trace had a vision last night, which would indicate that you can accelerate billings versus a lot of the favorites, including Kramer Fave Okta, which, you know, I talk about constantly. I, I know you love the upstarts. Jim, it's a lot, very easy to drive revenue growth without profitability. I would love to have that kind of a business. Unfortunately, my investors want cash flow and growth. So we're going to go generate a billion plus of free cash flow over the next three years, every year. On top of that, we're going to go what we call our next generation security billings and revenue, approximately 57%, which in next year would make us bigger than any of the upstarts you like, whether it's Okta, CrowdStrike, Zscaler. And FY22, it probably makes us about 80% bigger than your favorite company. Well, just so you know, uh, I like Okta. Uh, Zscaler, but my travel trust owns Palo Alto. So before before we just say, hey, listen, I like them more. Uh, Three-year growth last night traced out well in advance, well higher than some of the analyst models, of which you also indicated you follow. Well, you know, I've been studying the industry, the company, the market for the last one year, and uh, I read about 25 analyst reports over the last three months and went through every model. Very early in my life, I was an analyst, so I understand how these models work. You have to make sure you understand the growth rate, profitability, and and long-term cost of capital. So I looked at every one of them and saying, what's going to make them change their models in point of view about power of networks? In the end, I can give them all the song and dance about vision and strategy. They're going to go and try and put a number in their models to figure out what my stock's worth. Okay. The thing that really struck me was that there were a lot of people in the cash who said, your deal might all you're going to do is buy companies, buy companies, buy companies. Uh, there were some uh, transitions, some managers lost. To me, what you straightened out last night 
was that the acquisitions are to be so that you have the ultimate. And also that there are some companies that have to deal with 212 vendors. If they bring you in and there are some big wins against Zscaler, some very big wins against Cisco that you mentioned, I'm talking about government wins, I'm talking about uh, retail chain wins, that this is being done because companies really should consolidate and you're the one that they can use. Well, if you look at the landscape, um, and I studied enterprise companies, enterprise companies are amazing at building their first set of products, and then you build a distribution on the back of it. Now the question is, can you fill that distribution with better product on a constant basis? Can you go from being a one-trick pony to somebody who can go do multi-product capability in the market? And in the last 12 months, we have really pivoted hard. We generated $452 million of billings this year in our next generation security business. We're guiding to 800, 810 million next year, which is huge, which allows us to be bigger than everybody else. So we've done a strong pivot. I believe we have to go out and get the best of breed technology for our customers, give it integrated, and make sure that they don't have to go to multiple vendors. Now, they don't want to buy things off my price list. They want it integrated because they're sick and tired of having multiple vendors in their infrastructure. I wouldn't want them. That's not making you more secure. It's increasing risk the more people you have in your infrastructure. So we're, we're hopefully trying to answer the customer's call in providing that integrated platform. And so far, it uh, looks like it's resonating with our customers in the market. Well, to the extent that you are still captive to the uh, global economy, and we spent a lot of time at this desk talking about business investment, or the lack thereof, perhaps, because of the uncertainty brought on by the trade war. Is it a concern? Are you seeing any evidence that perhaps people are not making the migration as quickly to the cloud as they might otherwise, given the capital that has to be used for it? And is that a concern going forward? Um, you know, I think technology is bigger than secular trends on economic investment. Uh, do you believe companies will survive Amazon without investing in technology? Do you believe companies will survive Google or Facebook or Uber or all these companies we talked about here? I think in the next 10 years, 50% of the market cap of the world will be tech companies. Or you'll have to be a tech-enabled company. Is Uber a transportation company or a tech company? Is Airbnb a hospitality company or a tech well, actually, company? I should ask you. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, I don't remember, know if you were at SoftBank when they made the original Uber investments. but I wasn't there. Right. I did the Ola and Grab yeah. Taxi ones. But well, fundamentally, if you look at it, many of the new generation companies are fundamentally technology-enabled. They're kind of DNA's technology, and they do hospitality or transportation on top. So if you have to make that generational shift, Every company has to invest tons and tons of money in technology. You have to make sure you have customer data. You have to be able to mine it. You have to get targeted. You can do so many tech things in the next 10 years. I don't think tech spending is going away. And if tech spending is not going away, they're going to need to be secure. So now, we're in a growth business. Jack Dorsey gets hacked. Jack Dorsey. Uh, uh, we, we all get hacked. My American Express was hacked. My JP Morgan was hacked. I mean, everything is hacked. Uh, what I come back to is what you said at the beginning of your call, which is it's now artificial intelligence. It's no longer just guys. It, how can you be smarter than the bad guys with AI? You know, it's kind, of, it's kind of uneven, asymmetrical playing field. The bad guys have to be right once. You have to be right all the time. It's a very, very high bar. So in the, new, the new word in our industry is called cyber resilience. If I get kicked in the guts, how quickly can I stand up and how hurt am I? So it's no longer about cybersecurity. It's about I need to make sure I architect in such a way that my business doesn't shut down, my data doesn't go away. So the key is to set up your infrastructure in a way that you don't put all the crown jewels in the same place. You put checks and balances and who can get into it, who have access to it. So there's a lot of re-architecting going on. But if you look at it, 
a lot of companies are collecting data. Data is the new gold, and people are going after data. You've seen that in the consumer space. You've seen that in the, in the financial services space. So the key is to design the architecture in a way that your stuff is secure, and the key is to reduce complexity in your infrastructure. Well, I was a great fan of your predecessor, Mark McLaughlin. You're carrying on the tradition, doing a terrific job. It's right that the stock be up. Those who sell it at 180, Nikesh, Okay. Let's Unfortunately, I can't buy. I would have bought right, every shit I, I could. I struggle for word. How about stupid? <laughs> there you go. Nikesh Aurora, CEO of Palo Alto Networks. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Well, coming up, we're going to have uh, Jim's mad dash, of course, as we count down to the opening bell. Let's give you one more look at futures. We start trading here about seven and a half minutes from now. We're back right after this. All right, we got five minutes before we get to an opening bell. You see futures, of course, uh, will lead us to a higher open on all the major averages on uh, optimism once again about potential talks between the China and U.S. over the trade dispute. Let's get to a mad dash, then straight into that opening bell. You've uh, been focused on Signet. Mostly a bad news story, but this morning a little bit better. Yeah, Jim Drosis, uh, let's just say Ms. Drosis uh, has had some troubles turning the company around. And the stock shows you that if you had a longer-term view, uh, you would just say, wow, this is untouchable. Well, she made it touchable today. She put out some numbers that uh, show you some better free cash flow, better same-store sales, uh, a refinancing that gives them a lot more room. Remember, what are we talking about here? It's a small-cap stock, but we're talking about K, Zales, Jared, Piercing Pagoda. I like what they're doing with online. Zales had good online numbers. Piercing Pagoda had good online numbers. I went to see her, Ms. Drozis, when uh, last year at Christmas time, and I had high hopes, and hopes were not delivered. Uh, but this does say they can make it. David, this matters because Ulta, very similar story, very bad number last week. We're not here for yeah, the well, I should say, breakdown. Would have been good for a lot of others, but uh, you know, Gina sells jewelry. Okay, uh, Ulta had a very bad time with cosmetics. Well, so lack the, of contouring, behaviors are changing. Wow, yeah. I like that. Also, a lot I had of, to read the call there, too. Well, I got to tell you, Estee Lauder did not have that. You and Estee Lauder managed to be able to get away from domestic. But is this a real turn for Signet, Jim? Or just a no, more day? time. Buys more time for the holiday season. That matters because brick and mortar, David, is sinking, 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 unless it's watch. And of course, the A there is Amazon. Uh, we continue to see pressure on department stores. Big board is the American Red Cross, and they are highlighting, of course, relief efforts for the victims of Hurricane Dorian, which mm-hmm. continues to rage mm-hmm. uh, over at the NASDAQ. OpenTex, that's an enterprise information management software company. Um, speaking of yes. companies that let you do your job better, let's start Slack. with Slack. Let's start with Slack. Symbol work. Uh, it is down about 14%. Yeah. Uh, Listen, I mean, it's still growing the top line at a very significant rate, but it has not performed particularly well since its first day performance, which was very strong, out of the box as an initial public offering. Remember, odd offering, 
kind of offering that we saw from Spotify. Yes. And from Alphabet. Did not actually raise capital. No. Just listed. But you know what, David? It's guidance. Uh, I read between the lines and say, has Sachin Nadella decided he's tired of losing in this business? Now, periodically, as we listen to Nikesh Arora, a lot of people feel that Microsoft is not doing a great job in cyber. They feel that Microsoft's not doing a great job in this community kind of software. Nikesh is right that Microsoft hasn't been that great in, in cyber. But you know what, David? Satya Nadella is making a lot of good moves. And I do worry, just like I worry about Dropbox, that Nadella has decided, let's take them on too. We now have Azure. We're fine on cloud. So the suite of products will include something that competes with yes. a Slack in the workplace. Yes, and I think this is, is, is a concern, at least, right. that you would raise. And this is the first time. You know, it's, it's the opening of the NFL. And these days, when you see them look using a Microsoft program uh, on the sideline, Tom Brady, uh, you're not going to say, oh, who made them do that? You're going to say, hey, kind of works okay. What happened? You have something new? No, you have something? Um, we have, we have uh, uh, Stuart Butterfield, the CEO of Slack, was on Squawk Box. This yeah. He said a variety of things right. uh, in terms of, of course, the long term, mm-hmm. their focus in terms of their strong cash position. Let's listen in uh, to at least one of the things he had to say in defending the company. Investors are going to make decisions over the long run. This is a very strong quarter. Um, but whether it's up or down uh, yesterday, up 8%, and the regular market down after, it's not going to make a whole bunch of difference um, to the to the long-term holders or to the business. This was strong quarter, um, uh, $145 million revenue versus $92 million the year prior, and we're happy with that. Also went on to say they have a strong cash position of close to $800 million. And listen, if you're looking at minus 100 to $110 million in free cash flow, that seems prudent and responsible. They are obviously right. spending, as they have told us they would, to grow and continue right. to grow at a rapid rate. I have Carvana on tonight, and Carvana is a company that has, uh, they're not, not necessarily exactly use Carvana selling cars, but the idea of, of grow to grow uh, and grow yourself into a market cap and grow yourself into a business, that works, okay? It worked. It, does it matter? Butterfield's talking about the, the near term. Well, I mean, Pinterest is another company, Carvana. These are two companies that kind of got hammered on some quarters, and are coming back. So I agree with him that we should not necessarily measure any company on a quarter. But David, if they don't do well in the next quarter, then it does matter. And I, I know a lot of CEOs say they don't look at stock. The cash Aurora, by the way, looks at stock. Yeah. I actually find the stock market as allied the late great Andy Grove pretty good. I know that Buffett says weighing machine, voting machine. Andy Grove said you, as a CEO, have to deliver on a quarter. That's a sign. In three months, you should be able to make progress. And Andy Grove, which is, wrote a book, um, Only a Paranoid Survive, along with Shoe Dog, the great business book. Shoe Dog I've read. I haven't read all, Only a Paranoid Survive, but yeah, Shoe Dog. I was so proud that, uh, that Buck Knight came on Mad Money. And that, thank you. Uh, a lot of people made, the, made that work. Uh, Mark Parker, also Tim Cook, but Apple. David Apple. Yes, sir. You know, their day, best days are behind them, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, isn't that, don't we know that as they borrowed? What do they borrow? Um, they're borrowing at, the, at German rates, yeah, right? I mean, German. you have to pay Apple to, uh, to take your money. Well, and, um, and, and you know what, what that tells me is that they're going to buy. Look at just going to sit there. He's going to buy all the stock he wants. They're either buying buy, literally, at the, <laughs> save them on the dividend. 
Uh, but the analysts think that Apple's going to have a bad quarter. I'm starting to think more about 5G. The analysts keep waiting for the boycott of Apple. That doesn't happen. I'm talking um, about China. I'm looking at the performance of our parent company, Comcast, up over 2% on a research node from Oppenheimer where they upgrade it and talk about pricing power and free cash flow generation. Also may be benefiting from a little bit of relief on Brexit because, of course, Sky is an important asset of our company. Uh, and there was concern about what a hard Brexit might mean. But that stock hitting new recent highs, 46.35 on Comcast. Does, uh, right low rates help them, too? Yes. Yep. Okay. David, yesterday something happened that I think is really interesting. Union Pacific basically guided down pretty severely. Stock's now straight up. Uh, trade talks... Business better than people expect, even though it's not as good. Uh, I find that the rails are doing quite well here, and they shouldn't be if we're going into a recession. They were signaling that. The real estate investment trusts another group that if we were going into a recession, shouldn't be this well off. And by the way, utilities are refinancing like mad. What I'm giving you is a theory that low rates are helping. And then the other thing no, is just what? Know, well, I'm looking at Netflix because when you think about a company that could benefit from lower rates as well, given its debt load, right. given its need to continue to raise capital in both the debt and sometimes right. the equity markets. But Netflix is down. Lower Over rates. Two and a half, almost 2.5% this morning. Uh, I don't actually know why. Wait, do you ever, is lower rates, does that correlate well with better shows? No. Well, no, it doesn't. Hey, I rest my case. It doesn't. The but, prosecution rests. But Despite what some see as risks to Netflix, specifically in the form, and Reed Hastings, the CEO, will disagree with this, in the form of Disney Plus and whether right. or not that will result in slower growth or perhaps people are even saying, you know what, I'm not sure I need Netflix anymore. And back to this idea of how much of it is really catalog viewing as opposed to originals. Um, as long as rates stay low for Netflix, it would seem that that kind of threat is not as great because no, it's they not. do rely a lot on the capital markets and the largesse provided there to continue to fund their growth. But, you know, David, a lot of people are talking about allocation of time. Now, Reed Hastings has always said more and more time being devoted to uh, this kind of uh, product. Uh, by the way, Strauss Zelnick, take two, the best uh, gaming company, more and more time being devoted to this time, kind of product. David, at a certain point, there are only so many hours. And yes, they can be entirely consumed by programming. But, you know, you have to go to sleep. I, I've not preferred that. On Tuesdays and, and Fridays, I don't sleep. At all? I try not to. Oh, that's good. That's, I go to bed around 12.30. I get up at 3 on Tuesdays. Right. My trainer comes at 3.45. Yeah, that's good. No, that's very healthy. Yeah, I know. I, Mom at Oz yeah. once, uh, uh, once critiqued my uh, lifestyle and found it wanting. But he's an Eagles fan, so we give him a pass. DNA is different than most of ours. Right. It is, I think. Yes. Well, you know, you never know. But, but David, no, I guess true. what you I'm saying is... Those. One day look, at the desk, it's all over. When the, when the tariffs away, the mice play. Yes. Uh, except for oil, which still can't catch fire. Um, wanted well, I, like to, I did want to talk to you a bit about Goldman Sachs, the story in the, in the journal. It's funny because, obviously, as you might imagine, I sort of talked to a number of bankers in the course right. of trying to do my job. And I was aware of a couple of departures, but the journal points out to even more departures from Goldman. As David Solomon, uh, they report, tries to thin the ranks to a certain extent of what it means to be a partner there, those partnership ranks. And really, it's, it's more of a title than anything else. Obviously, this is a public company. It's no longer the private company it once right. was, where a partnership was the big ring that you were always going after. But what do you make of that? Um, and, of course, I think of it in light of what we talk about so often, which is what is significant change going on at this 
uh, at this investment well, bank in terms of its approach. Else. They have to be something else. I mean, it, when you look at the price earnings multiple, it is a little better than Ford's old client of Goldman, of course. Uh, it is... It, it, yes, it, that's right. They took it, Ford Public. Weinberg. Yes, yeah. exactly. It is, without a doubt, a great quandary for those of us who work there or know their business to think that they could let this thing slip. I am surprised that they weren't doing this earlier. It's some consolidation of power. Uh, the people who are leaving, I think, are uh, they're all good. I know a lot of the guys who are leaving. That's not the point. I think the point is... Well, so when you get old, when you're older, if you're in your mid... I hate to say it, mid-50s of Goldman and you've been around, they're going to push you out to make room. Now, there are also some other younger people who are also... I'm young. No, you're not. No. No. Well, not really. I mean, but you, yeah, not... Was, yeah. But I like yeah. to think of you as young because that makes me a kid. Yeah, you're a child. Yeah. Uh, but what Solomon did, I think, is recognize, you know what, you can't have all these people who are in their 50s. You're absolutely right. And by the way, Lloyd Blankfein was right to step down when he did because you were going to lose guys like Solomon. Now, some of these departures are people who have uh, found that they were on the wrong side. There was a, remember, there were two people trying to get the There job. was, there were, and you're right. Uh, and the bankers perhaps in a better position than the traders. But of course, you and I, as we should, have been focused on their efforts in terms of changing the face uh. of the bank in terms of retail. Right. Now, Dave, Mr. Solomon will tell you, come on, you know, we're still what we are. We're just also making a pivot to a certain extent because we see a market opportunity. Yeah. So far, they've been investing, and the question is when, yeah. this, when the returns begin. Well, it, it, it's at uh, eight times multiple. They are not what we said they are, right. to use a football analogy. David, here's what is no one's talking about. The apple card. I don't know if you've gotten it. I have not. Well, what the heck's with you? I have no interest in getting the apple card. Why should I? Tell me. You don't even have the apple watch. No, the I apple don't. watch today told me I was on... A, 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 a cyber, Cybex, actually new. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Really? Yeah. Uh, but I would tell you that the Apple card, yes. the lowest cost of acquisition imaginable, that Goldman may actually have stumbled on something that nobody wanted. Nobody wanted. And that's a great idea in order to be able to build retail. I've never liked retail. I've never liked retail because when I was at Goldman, we were supposed to go after elephants. Right. Now they're, 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 right, just to make sure our viewers understand, yeah. particularly those may be listening, not watching. Retail, as in retail investing. Right. Retail. Smaller. Yes. And, you know, if I not could, retail if as the in selling stuff out of a If mall. the investor didn't give us $10, $10 million, that person wasn't big enough. Now, that's a totally changed model. Yep. I mean, Goldman's going after everything. It, it, they're going up against Schwab. I remember when they were going to buy Schwab, 1999, 2000. Would have been good. I remember when Schwab's market cap exceeded that of Merrill Lynch. By the way, Schwab's market cap is very sizable. Yes, it, well, why not? They're taking it. in the most money of, you know, they, they take in more money per day than Goldman was taking in. I don't know what it, but let's yeah. put it this way. Charles uh, Schwab has a $52 billion market cap. Goldman's, Goldman is Goldman is the great quandary. It's it's just 77, it's not that big. No. By the way, we're not talking about, above the, we're not talking about, Schwab. about Jolo anymore. The billion-dollar whale? No, we're no, not. We're, man, we're not. We're not. That's no longer in the... Man, was that guy... He was leading the life. Yeah. No, I never led so, that life. I was always doing work. Yeah, you've... I read through what he did at the expense of Goldman Sachs in his country, and I realized I've missed my calling. Really? It must have... Well, he was like, you know, kind of like a fat, dope, you know, dopey-looking guy, and he just had models and... And the movies he was making, the Wolf of Wall Street, the guy had everything, everything. 
I'm looking at Shannon Seamus right now, our, executive, our producer. But now he doesn't. He should be doing this. This is the greatest gift him? I've is, ever where given. Is he? What? is he in China? Where, where is he? I don't know where he is. And he's leading All right. the life, um, believe me. I want to talk more about Lift WeWork at up. some point, but Lyft is up. But you know what? Let's get to Seema Modi because I know she's been following some other things that are moving this morning. Hello. Good morning, David. That's right. Markets rallying after U.S. and China announced that they would resume trade talks in early October. That's really raised hopes that both sides are working towards a deal. We are up uh, triple digits on the Dow. S&P 500 up 1%, now trading at a one-month high. And it was a very strong session in Asia as well. We saw China up 1%, J- uh, the Japanese stock market up about 2%. Here we go. And Europe also higher, despite weak German factory orders that were released this morning. All of this as the U.S. dollar continues to weaken down yet again today. And that's one of the reasons emerging markets are up. Small caps are up. Big tech is rebounding right now. We're looking at industrials and chips. These trade-sensitive sectors are really all higher today and behind today's rebound. Uh, So certainly a risk-on tone to today's market. Meantime, uh, a number of consumer names quietly hitting new highs yesterday. We had Hershey's, uh, Procter & Gamble, Pepsi, and P&G. Coke as well. So we'll have to see if these names can continue that move to the upside. Just taking a step back and putting today's move into perspective, the Dow has now gained around 4% since last Monday, trading less than 3% away from its all-time high. The S&P 500 is just a little more than 2% below its all-time high. Now, whether this trade-induced rebound can continue, it really rests on the upcoming meeting in October. And that job support tomorrow, if it's too strong, that could certainly change the Fed's timetable. Guys, back to you. Okay, Seema, thank you. Let's head to the bond pits now, check in with Rick Santelli at the CME Group in Chicago. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, David. You know, one-week charts, I'm going to use all of them today for everything we're looking at because there has been a change. Now, granted, when you have an August the way we had with regard to humongous drops, not only domestically on the interest rate side, whether it's sovereigns or corporates or spreads remaining tight, it's a global phenomenon. And maybe we're not even leading this one. Look at a one week of tens. Okay, now tens indeed are a bit higher, but do keep in mind we're at 147. The low closing yield, going back three years plus, is right around 143. So it isn't a huge bounce, but it's stabilizing. Now look at it with one week, same time frame for a 10 year boom. You can see the difference. Minus 60. How do you make minus 60 look terrific? You start out at minus 73. So indeed, it's a pretty good move. Another reason to think that this is something significant is not only how equities have gained traction, which isn't a bad thing when you pair it with this move, but look at 10s minus 2s. Now, three or four basis points isn't a lot, and I'm not going to make a big deal out of it, but I think the inversions didn't mean a lot either. But the fact that the long end is doing this and the short end is allowing it to happen in the midst of all this global activity is significant. Now, guns hot. Euro versus dollar. The euro's hot. Look at one week of the euro. Very nice. And the fact that rates are moving up before a September 12th ECB meeting is significant. And finally, it comes at the behest of, yes, you guessed it, one week of the dollar index, which has actually given up a lot of ground, as you see on this chart. David, Jim. Back to you. Thank you, Rick. Rick semis. Semis are the star of the day. Even Intel's breaking out here. Look at NVIDIA. This is a sign, David, that people believe the cycle has bottomed. And let's not worry too much about China. Yeah. Uh, speaking of China, they, the, the uh, SAMR, the antitrust authorities in China, are at least starting the review 
of the Mellanox deal. Are you hadn't serious? Yet, they hadn't actually did, taken did, it for did, review yesterday. They announced did, it. Doesn't mean no, but Jensen Wong. When, when I was with Jensen Wong, of course, we're speaking about the brilliant CEO of Nvidia. He told me not to worry. He repeatedly has told me not to worry, uh, and he's. What? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, they I'm haven't approved it. They just started just, the review. I have that insight that nobody else had. Not to worry. Jensen Wong, yeah. But do you think he, he would have told you to worry? Yes. Well, if you he also was worried, do you think yeah, he would have he said, gave, I'm really worried? Do you know that this he may gave, not work. I made he, a really big mistake. Do you know he gave my dog NVIDIA an identity card? My dog can get into NVIDIA's beautiful headquarters anytime he wants. Note to all CEOs out there. I can't, Give but NVIDIA. Well, yeah. Uh, Let's well, talk about the and, NFL. And, anyway. Yeah, which you talk about a lot now. Yeah, uh, man, I got, a, in your I got a fantasy thing going today. I'm doing my 1045. 100th season, Jim, tonight. The Chicago Bears will season. kick it off. Uh, they're hosting the Green Bay Packers. I'm playing Montgomery. Green Bay I'm playing Montgomery. Believe um, me, he is going to tear it up tonight. Hey, it's an NBC game. 730 Isn't that fabulous? So I play Valdez, Exxon Valdez. It, it, that's my joke name for him, but... I mean, I've got him versus Debo Samuels. You know, we had Jerry Jones on with us yesterday. He said now, he was here. This Comstock Resources he's put a lot of money in that company. By the way, natural gas prices. He seems to think things are going to go in the right well, direction. Well, they're minus. They just. They just. They have a bit of. They a just went above minus. Yeah. Yeah, they did because of the new pipeline that just is opening. Yeah, but right the now. new pipelines that are opening are going to be less flaring, so you're going to have more gas because the Permian is as I'm much so a gas field as it that. is an oil field. You know, it's important to meth- look methane gas. I, Gets a bad rap. I mean, because it destroys the environment. I mean, what is the point of that? Methane gas, bad rap. Incandescent bulbs. I mean, these are things, by the way, uh, uh, cafe standards. Do you know, the oil industry is actually like. You're talking about all the things the Trump administration right. is trying to roll back. The, the oil the industry is actually not that interested. The in oil industry has told me over and over again if they don't cut back on methane, if a Democrat ever takes the White House, they're crushed. Same thing with the uh, auto companies. If de- we're you know, going remember, to California standards. Right. And, to the and the incandescent rollbacks resp- is responsible for as much as 25% decline in electricity use. But these are things that, are, that America is against. Not Republicans or Democrats, but the president is not a great steward of the environment. I think that's a fair. Right. I no. promised my every day. I promised my 28-year-old daughter I'd another in Italy with me that I would say headline. that. I never thought I'd see him say you can't have your light bulbs that save energy. But let's get back to Jerry Jones and football, something we can all agree on. Right. Great. Well, Jerry Jones had some comments about me that were so nice. I have to reflect. You know, I drafted Zeke. And he right, told me well, that I was what so he had to say smart about what, what, that what new contract. What did he say? What did he say? Listen to what he had to say about uh, that new contract with uh, running back. I just turned my pockets <laughs> out upstairs. <laughs> it means I'm $100 million lighter as of this morning. But seriously, uh, Zeke has been arguably our best player. We're glad to get him booked in. We're glad to have him uh, on the team. There it is. Well, I had, I had Jerry on last year. He knows I'm a fantasy guy. And I said, listen, when I have fantasy and I play a guy and he doesn't do well or I lose, I am crushed. I said, what do you think of that? He goes, you know what? Here's reality. When we lose, I want to climb a tall building and jump off. So, I mean, he takes it very personally. Takes it hard. Takes it uh, hard. He could not believe that I drafted Zeke, given the fact how much I like the Eagles. But what matters is, is that Jerry is one of the great owners because of his passion. All right. We've done our part for Corporate Synergy. 7.30 Eastern. Green Bay and Chicago. By the way, we're also staying on top of the rally going on right here uh, at uh, the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the S&P up 1.2%. We're back right after this.
a look at Fang this morning. You can see Netflix is uh, the well, wow negative. There was this report they're denying about perhaps a change in the way people are allowed to view series, you know, going to this weekly format. Apparently they are saying that is not the case, but you can see the stock is down. Everything else having a very strong morning. We're nice. back after this. All right, welcome back. Time uh, to ask Jim at least what's going on tonight on Mad Money. Union Pacific, I broke down. Okay, here's, here's what we got. Carvana, perhaps one of the most controversial stories of our time, which is the idea of a car vending machine. Uh, it's doing incredibly well. Uh, there are shorts out there. They've been steamrolled. Um, God, it's good to be back. It's good to have you. It's good to have you. You are good, man. That, that stuff right at the top is so good. You like that? All right. It's always nice when he likes what we do here. Uh, he'll be back. Can't not see him. He's on all the time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 